0: Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com and find them at FDIC at booth 2540.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tankata Protective Fabrics. TheFirestore.com, equipping protectors with passion. That's how they
0: operate, and it's how they live. They understand that having the right gear can mean the difference between life and death. Their goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit them at FDIC at boots 110 and 111. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, welcome to this uh, month's uh, Fire Engineering Hump Day Hangout uh, with the International Society of Fire Service Instructors. Uh, we will be talking today with a uh, good cast of characters here. Uh, we have a we'll go around here in a second and talk to them and get them introduce themselves. Uh, but we ask that as you start this, you know if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, uh, like this, uh, subscribe. Um, you know it helps this content get out there and if you like and share it even better. So uh, make sure you subscribe to this and like it on Facebook and uh if you got questions put them in the chat and we'll try to answer them as we go through the show. So, uh, we will introduce ourselves. So I'm Brian Zeitz, uh, working at Kirkwood. Uh, we are all fresh back from FDIC. Uh, we have Eddie Buchanan. We'll get an introduction.
1: Hey, I'm uh, Eddie Buchanan. I'm a retired assistant chief from Hanover Fire and EMS, uh, just north of Richmond, Virginia. And now, now I'm working as a uh, working with De- DECAD International, which does data analytics for Fire and EMS. And I'm a past president of the ISFSI.
0: He is past president and the uh, cornerstone of which the ISFSI is built on currently. So we are very fortunate to his uh, I don't know about all that. yeah. Uh, Frank Ritchie.
2: Frank Ritchie, retired battalion chief and drill master out of New Haven, Connecticut, and currently just released the book, Command Presence, which all three individuals on this call uh were so nice and just it was a high honor to have all of you
0: contribute to it. So thank you.
1: And came uh, out great, Frank.
0: Yeah, it was a, it's an awesome book. I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. So, and least uh, uh, sorry, last but not least is my <laughs> boss, uh, Jim Silverdale.
3: Howdy all. I'm Jim Silverdale. I'm the fire chief of the Kirkwood, Missouri Fire Department. I have the fortune of working with that gentleman every day. What a, what a <laughs> treat and joy that is. But uh, yeah, welcome and uh, thank you, Brian, for inviting me along. Oh,
0: absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. So we are all fresh back from FDIC. It was an incredible week last week. I think we can all agree. Uh, it was great to see everybody again. Um, obviously it was a little different this year uh, with chief Halton uh, not being there, but uh, still an incredible week for all of us, for, uh, you know, our classes, uh, the release of the command presence book, uh, the chief Halton memorial. So I guess maybe we'll start with, you know, what was the biggest thing that, you know, you take away from last week. Right. So like we've all had FDICs in the past, you guys have had many more than I have. Um, What's the one thing that stood out to you? And we'll just go reverse word, Chief. What do you think?
3: Well, I, I can honestly tell you, like you said, it was definitely different. It was weird not seeing Bobby there. His spirit was in the hallways for sure. But uh, I got to tell you, it was exciting to see David Rhodes really excel. And uh, he, I think, Frank, you said it best when we were sitting together at the opening ceremonies and Frank turned to me and said that he just solidified why he is you know he's the editor-in-chief i mean this was his moment and uh i i just i just can't i don't know how somebody in those roles have so much energy and, and able to keep going all week but he did he, he hit a home run and uh i, I can honestly tell you that he's going to step up
0: no i yeah I, you know i was blown away at that that wednesday opening ceremony when he spoke and talked about filling shoes and i you know i found myself in that same role right like it's as firefighters and, and leaders in the fire service, we often try to imitate or take someone else and say, you know, like, like Eddie, you know, he was a past president and, and did phenomenal things. And next year I'm going to run for president of ISFSI. And I can't be Eddie, but I can be Brian. And that's, you know, I think that was the message, right? Is that each of us have something to contribute to the fire service. Don't try to be somebody else, be yourself and do what you can do in the fire service. And I think, like you said, he's going to do phenomenal things for fire engineering and FDIC moving forward. So definitely awesome, awesome speech. Uh, Frank, what do you got? Two things. Um, Two
2: really quiet professionals who are just consummate professionals that are really good at working behind the scenes. They're, you know, the go-to people really, I think, found their voice. And that's Dave Rhodes as editor-in-chief. And I had the opportunity to see him in the hall. And I said, Clarion might've made you the editor-in-chief, but you became editor-in-chief on that stage. And Dave's somebody who's probably more comfortable being behind the scenes, but he rose to that moment and he found his voice. And the other individual that found their voice that was not only a credit to themselves, the ISFI and Kirkwood Fire Department was, Brian, your speech, you hit it out of the park. And I mean, it's kind of amazing. If you look at FDIC's advisory board and fire engineering's board, you have a couple of guys from New York City, but that's a a 10,000 member department. Kirkwood has two members from the same department on the board, Chief Silvernail and yourself. Um, That's pretty impressive. And I think you found your voice and you had a great message and what a way to propel yourself to hopefully getting that role as president of uh, the Instructors Association.
0: All right, yeah, definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a stressful 14 months leading up to it, but I'm glad it's behind me.
1: (laughs) Eddie, what do you got? So aside from what everybody said already, I think the thing that uh, I've noticed about a lot of FDICs, and this one was no different, was there seems to be a theme that comes together and it's kind of by accident, right? Like they don't, we don't, the theme is not engineered into the conference necessarily, but it emerges as you go through the keynotes and you go through the classes and all that. And I think the thing that I, I took away that was most profound was the fire service as a whole, we're kind of that in, in today's society in 2023, we're kind of that last bastion of of morals and values and truth. You know, like we, we talked a lot about family. We talked a lot about uh, what it means to be in the fire service. I, I was listening to an interview with Kurt Weldon the other day, who was a uh, congressman from uh, Pennsylvania a while back. He was the grandfather of the AFG grants and those types of things. He mentioned in an interview that the, if, if you're looking for any any kind of sign of truth or what's good in the world anymore, he said, go talk to your fire department because they're, they're the last ones, you know. And I think that's, that's such a powerful message, you know. Even when you have a department, if you're in a place where you might not always feel it day to day as you try to get through, you know, the day ins and day outs of, of, of the fire department and the shift to the next shift. But man, we got—we really do have a nice thing going, you know. We're we 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 take care of each other. We uh, we judge you typically as, as, as by a whole as how you operate, you know, how you perform on a ground, how do you contribute. And that's really how we judge you. We don't judge you based on any of the other things that society would have us believe that you separate people by all these things. We separate you by who who can do the job and who can't. You know, I mean, it's a little bit different thing, and I think it's one of those last uh, we're the kind of a shining beacon out in the world, uh, right now as a fire service. And we're probably going to get, take some arrows for it. I suspect we already have, but that's an honor to be a part of that. You know, I really appreciated that sitting and listening to everybody, you know, listening to the various keynotes. They all had that message, family values, you know, that, that was a theme throughout the whole show. And, uh, it it was really timely for me it was good to hear it It made me feel good about being a part of the fire service and i'm ready to take on the next year
0: yeah it was you know it was was funny i was talking to chief Rhodes afterwards uh on thursday morning and you know there is no correlation as you guys know there's no like coordination between anybody that's speaking or there's no coordination is like hey our message this year is this so try to write something around that it just kind of like organically came together this year and i think you know obviously you know as Chief Silverdale said, you know, Bobby's spirit was in, I think, in all of our speeches and definitely in all of our hearts in uh, FDIC. But, uh, you know, I said it and it was, you know, we are fortunate to be called firefighters. And I, I truly believe that, you know, like even on our worst day, we still have the best job in the world. And so, you know, that that sometimes it's hard for us to remember that. But, you know, that's why we all got in this job. Was It's a pretty cool job that we all are fortunate to be able to do every day. So we don't go on as many fires as we probably like to, which is good for society. <laughs> but uh, bad for us as a profession, right? So, but that's a good thing. But um, I'll talk real quick. Uh, well, not real quick, but let's talk about it. Is Frank, you know, FDIC this year was big for you. You released the Command Presence book. So what inspired you to write that and, and your thoughts on that book? Well, it was Bobby who inspired me to write it. I mean, Bobby was the one
2: who said I basically had to write it and he kept on me for years and years. And then it came to my son who was like, do you realize that Nick Papa has a book, dad? And, and he was saying it in a good way, not a, not a bad way. And I'm like, yeah, I, I should write it. And then my son said something real interesting. He goes, he goes, if you take any longer to write this book, it's going to be electronic and you're not going to be able to pick up a book because books are going away, it seems. And that kind of hit me. And I was like, yeah, maybe I need to to write it. So one of the things that I'm like sad about and proud about all at the same time is the book contains... Bobby Halton's last published works, he wrote the last chapter for the book, which is a a high honor. So I'm so glad that I stopped procrastinating and actually put pen to paper and did it. And, And the book really comes down to what Ben Franklin said, you know, experience is the best teacher, but only a fool learns in that school alone. And I tried to write a real honest book. And it's more about my failures than my successes. And my hope is that, hey, everybody can just take away a little bit something just to make themselves a little bit better. You know, I don't want somebody reading and saying, Oh, I got to do this. No, I I want you to read this, whether you agree with me politically disagree with me, this book's about shared purpose. And I think that regardless of where you are on the political line, you're going to find some value in something I say. And uh, here, I'm going to give you a quick, quick example that I got from somebody in a think tank. I was Uh, reminding somebody about a radio show to be on. I said, you you know, I got to send this reminder for this individual to be on a radio show. And he goes, oh, don't do that. He goes, it comes across as either micromanaging or if you're doing it to your boss, it comes across like you're checking up on them when you're just trying to help them. And I go, well, how would you do it? And he goes, oh, very simply. He goes, just send an email that says, or a text that says, hey, I'm really looking forward to hearing you on this show today at two o'clock. And the response I got back and I was like, that's brilliant. Just something so simple changes from that micromanaging or looking at by just simply changing the way we phrase things. So I think everybody will get something out of the book. And again, it was my highest honor that individuals of the highest caliber that are on this call would actually take their time to uh, contribute and put their experiences forward.
0: Yeah. You know, just looking through the book, obviously, up to the IC and looking through it, it was cool to see so many different people's contributions to it. And, you know, and just to know that a small part of that I had, a, there it is. Look at that. Look at that free advertisement. He's got it right there. You got to love it. Uh, but it's cool, right? I mean, that's, that's the cool part of it is that there's so many different aspects of it. It's not just one person's thoughts. And you know, you're getting a whole, you know, slice of the entire fire service, which is really cool. Brian,
2: my son, my my son said, I thought, I was like, oh, I'm bringing everybody together. My son goes, oh, you're Tom Sawyer in it because you didn't want to write as much. And plus, everybody wants to hear what they have to say, not what you have to say, dad. So, you know, he's, he's
0: 23 and he's just funny. So that's awesome. he's probably right. People want to hear from you guys. That is awesome. Nice. Well, from the International Society of Fire Service Instructors standpoint, uh, hit them up real quick. We did have this week was our FDSE week was our uh, general meeting, which was awesome. We had a Tuesday night social. So I know uh, several of you guys stopped by that. Appreciate that. It was great to see everybody. Um, and it was cool. It was cool to get you know like minded people in the same room outside of the classroom and talking. So if you're not a member of the ISFSI yet, uh, please join. You can easily go to ISFSI.org sign up there. If you're a a training officer, it's a no-brainer. If you're a company officer, it's a no-brainer. If you're a firefighter, it's a no-brainer. The ISFSI is where it's at, because there's something literally for everybody in there, whether you're looking for a company level drill, you're looking for how to develop training programs, um, whatever it might be, I I can promise you, you're going to find it within the 1,800 members that we have within our organization. So uh, very excited about that moving forward. Um, What about you guys for next year? So Obviously, you know, we just got through this FDIC, so um, everybody always asks, like, hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking about putting in for FDIC, or what should I do, or how does that look, you know? Any thoughts? Eddie, you've been up there a long time.
1: Well, yeah, the call for papers are are open. So I think they closed June something. I just put it on my calendar the day, you know. June 23. Here's the deadline. June 23. So you've got time to think about it. Um, I think – what I always tell people is if it's your first year applying and, and almost everybody I've talked to, you know, it's kind of the rite of passage. You got to go through a couple of cycles. You might not hit get a yes on the first bat, you know, uh, that's normal. Maybe you will. and That'd be great. But I, I try to go and look at the the tracks. Like what are the various themes that they have? They have them on there. When you go and look, you'll see that there, here's the tra- educational tracks they're looking at for next year and find, you find something that they're look for a gap. What is something that you're good at, something that you're passionate about, that you have the knowledge and experience with where there's a gap in it? So like if I always use the example of forceful entry, if you want to do a forceful entry class uh, and you're from like suburban, you know, Virginia, where I live, that's FDNY's probably got that. <laughs> you know, there there are people that have more experience with that that are going to probably have that topic. So maybe you look for something uh, that's. That's open, but you know that's something that there's not a a, a known expert in already. Um, lots of opportunity related to combination fire departments. Lots of opportunity specifically related to volunteer departments. I usually evaluate the submissions for volunteer combination type of topics, and there's a handful. You know, like you get a leadership class. You, you guys probably did the leadership and officer stuff too, right? It's it's just hundreds, hundreds of submissions. You're just going through them <laughs> like that. Hey, when's it going to stop? And then you go and I look at the, you know, things related to like a volunteer combination department and there's like 10, right? You know, it, it's comparatively far less competition. So you have to be a little strategic, but um, if you, if, if you find a gap and it's something that you're good at, have experience, passion, put it in there, you know, always, always make the system tell you no, you know, don't take yourself out of the game without, you know, you know go, go in there and let them tell you no, that's what it's all about. Try again next time. So that's my, my thoughts.
0: Chief, what do you, you, you reviewed papers, you know, what are you thinking? What are you looking for?
3: So last year was my first year reviewing papers and uh, it was, I had about 250 to 300. So what I will tell you is I got uh, onto the leadership and the, the mental wellness track with some tactics and strategies. But so just knowing that I would tell you that we are really lacking on tactics and strategies. I mean, even in the articles that we send to fire engineering, um, and some of the classes that are submitted for FDIC, um, if you have a class, I, I'm not trying to tell you, don't don't put in leadership, but you're going to be up against a lot. Don't just be discouraged. Put yours in. You might not, you might be the next thing that we're looking for, but if you've got it, we need tactics and strategy. And please, if, if, you, if you're going between each other, I would tell you to go tactics and strategy. It's my personal experience with it. Um, but do yourself a favor. You know, like Eddie said, make sure it's your niche. It's got to be your niche. It's got to be your market. Um, also, you're definitely better off if you've taught the class um, a couple times prior to coming to FDIC. Because remember, the FDIC is the, is the major leagues. It's the Super Bowl. So it's got to be the – got to be ready to go. So if you've taught it somewhere else, I immediately start looking closer at your, your submittal. Um, also, please do your own submittals. Yes, I know that's a funny thing, but there are times where, hey, I've submitted on behalf of my chief or my you know, doctor whatever. Those immediately get negative connotation. Uh, Frank, am I wrong? I've heard that. No, from- you're, you're 100% yeah.
2: right. It shows that you're not willing to take the time to invest the energy, but yet I got to spend my entire Saturday and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, looking over these things. I want to know that you at least have that energy to put in and you're passionate enough about your class that you care enough to do it yourself.
3: But, you know, I think a lot of us, too, we're looking for originality. What hasn't been done yet? You know, what what is the next greatest thing in the fire service? And I, and I think, you know, if I see the same thing over and over, I start, you know, thinking, oh, this has been done. But if you're original and, you know, it's your niche and you've taught it, you've got it. you got a leg up.
0: No, I, I, so that next year I'm put in for tanker operations and aircraft firefighting. <laughs> so, you know, two, two things we do real well here. Uh, no, I think you're right though. I, you know, I think you have to find your niche and I think, you know, looking at what the fire service problems are today, you know, I mean, I walked by a couple of classrooms last week and, you know, lithium ion batteries. I mean, those classes were just full, right. And that's a problem we're facing in the fire service. So, you know, to both your guys' points is if there's something that, you know, you're addressing in your department, right. Like you know, Diane always tells me, you know, for, write an article about it, you know, put your, put your thoughts into words. And, you know, I've helped a couple people, um, write articles and, you know, they were like, I can't write an article for fire engineering and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, just put your words out there and see what happens. The next thing you know, guess what it got published. And so it is cool to see your article, your thoughts, uh, shared with the fire service. And so don't, don't be intimidated that like, oh, I can't do that. I, you know, at one point in time, everybody on this call was just thinking that same thing and put themselves out there a little bit. And next thing you know, look at what what's going on for everybody. So Frank, you, you do a lot of research and, and development for FDIC and looking at papers. What are you looking for? And what suggestions do you have for people that want to submit?
2: Well, I agree completely with what everything everybody said and write an article. And if you can't write an article, if you look at what I do at FDIC or fire engineering, it's very rare you'll see that I write an article by myself. I always find that having a different perspective makes the article better. So if you're not like the key writer, this is an opportunity for you to mentor somebody else in your department or reach out to one of who's mentoring you and say, hey, can we write the article together? I always find it it's fun then. It's a collaborative uh, practice. It doesn't diminish your brand. It actually builds your brand. So. The other thing, too, is how often are we all looking for um, Google Hangout guests or a radio guest? You know, if you put on your 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 resume that you were on a Google Hangout or you're on a fire engineering radio show, that's going to mean something to me. And just because you don't know Brian or you don't know Eddie or or Jim, just send them a quick email that says, hey, don't send them an email that says I want to be on your show. I hate those. I just throw them out. (laughs) send them an email that says, I'd like to be on your show. And these are like the four things I want to talk about. And this is what I'm passionate about. And it can be bullet pointed. And guess what? I don't know anybody that's not going to put that person on the show to hear what they have to say. So there's a lot of different opportunities with fire engineering, with the article. And again, Make sure you test out your class somewhere, because as you teach the class a couple of times, you're going to refine it. You're going to make it a little bit better. So I think that that's really important um, in the in the program.
0: Yeah, no, I completely, I, yeah, you know, we've said it here is, you know, if you're putting in to teach at FTSE and you never taught that class before anywhere else, you're probably going to get denied, even if it's the absolute best class in the world. Right. So, like, you know, go try it out somewhere else you know, test run at a, you know, a regional fire academy, a local fire, you know, even in your own department, at least have done it somewhere else to at least work the kinks out of it um, before you go and try to, you know, put it up in across the, you know, the international stage, if you will. Yeah. Brian, one, one thing that I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, yep. don't ever diminish your own
2: command presence and don't diminish what you do. Because I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm not from an urban department that's not America. America is made up of all different fire departments and everybody's coming to FDIC from all over America and the world. So don't diminish yourself and be like, oh, I only work in a 30 person department. There's something that you do well there that you're passionate about that others can learn from. And that's what FDIC is about that shared purpose
0: a hundred percent. And, you know, it's it's funny because I, you know, I volunteered at a department uh, in Southern Missouri for a while and uh, it was a volunteer department. And I always tell people it's harder to lead a volunteer department than it is a career department because I can walk outside right now and tell the guys, they have to go wash the trucks. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to wash the trucks because they need a paycheck. But in a volunteer department, I have to convince them why it is a good idea to wash the trucks and how that improves the department and them in washing the trucks. So it's a whole different style Of leadership and management, that you know, uh, it's helped me out tremendously being associated with both career and volunteer over my time. But yeah, it's just, and to your point, I mean, 80% of America is is a volunteer or combination thereof, fire department. Very few fire departments are FDNY, Chicago, Houston, you know, big cities, right? I mean, it's just not, that's not what we are. And so, not that that's right, wrong, or different, it's just it is what it is. So, um, you know, and that's, I think that's Eddie's point there is like, you know, he gets very few submittals from people. And who, you know, I mean, we all want to go to classes at FDIC, but I would much rather take a class that's related to me, that's from a department that's my size and somebody's talking my language, you know. Chief, you wrote a book on suburban fire tactics. What's that all about?
3: Well, I, I, can, I would not give myself a plug here if I didn't oh, have it on my desk. Right there. Just I have all my books here. I just showed you Frank's. But uh, no, you, you're right. So I would, the way I got involved with fire engineering is I started writing about our niche, the suburban market. I mean, I knew, I knew exactly what it, like, I taught forceful entry at our fire academy, but you don't want to hear it from me. You want to hear it from the Morrises, and I don't blame you. That's who I wanted to hear it from. You know, if you want to see these tactics, sure. But, you know, there's a niche for us, you know, there's a way we do things in our suburban markets, our rural markets that are different than the way that the urban guys do it. You know, I, I respect the hell out of, um, you know, the FDNY and all the big departments, St. Louis city next to us. But uh, even Chief John Norman would tell you, hey, I don't I, I have an idea of how you do things out there. But, you know, I'm from this big department and you do things totally different. And that's what I wanted to capture. And that's what I write about, you know. So that's about capturing your niche. Um, or, I, or I'll be honest, I wouldn't be here. I mean, if you want tactics and strategies, why not hit John Norman? But if you want to hear how to do it in the suburban market will give me a chance. But, um, you know, that that's that's the key here.
0: No, I think that's crucial. Right. You know, we've set it down niche, you know, I think I've heard niche a hundred times in the last like seven minutes or something, but, say it again. yeah, thank you. Yeah. But it, you know, right to what you're, right to what you're doing, right. Like, you know, right from your experiences and, and, you know, if your experiences, you know, I did the class last week on Monday and it was, I had everybody in my class from guys that had five guys on a truck to, to somebody with two people on a truck and each of their perspectives is different, but the fire is not changed. Right. The fire is still the same fire. And so it's, it's, you know, write about that. You know, it's just as important to hear what, you know, a six-person truck company is doing on a fire as it is to hear what a tender with one person and a pumper with two two people and how they're accomplishing tasks and what they're doing because that, that's critical. And write an article about that. I, I would almost promise you, and, and Eddie will probably, we'll see what he says when I say this, but I guarantee if you write an article that has some substance to it and it's about a volunteer fire strategy and tactics and how you can accomplish those things, your likelihood of getting printed in fire engineering is pretty high.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Would, not, yep. It's a, it's a, people are thirsty for that kind of information, you know, cause it's just not there. There's a thirst for it. Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. I, I, no, I
3: cut you off. Eddie. I was just going to say fire engineering has made an effort mm-hmm. to be inclusive of everybody. And that's, what's great about the book or the magazine, the organization is that, you know, they realize that, you know, the urban guys have a, have a ton of knowledge. But there's – and we, we learn from them, and, and but there's also another segment out there, um, you know, 80 – I don't know what the percentages are of suburban rural to, to urban, but they acknowledge that, and they, they want to cover it all.
1: I think it's important to mention the mechanics of the proposal, too. Um, mm-hmm. you, you guys probably have a, a process when you open a proposal. You know, like, I look at the name to see who it is. I it, it, What's the uh, topic of the class? Is it something – Uh, relevant to today straight to the learning objectives you know i hop right to that and and read the objectives and then i look at it is it possible to do what they propose to do in the time they have you know i've I've seen that error a couple of times where somebody puts in 15 different learning objectives for (laughs) our 45 minute class and i'm like nah, i think it's going to work out you know so um and then I'll start digging deeper into the proposal, right? So you you, you want to have a, a relevant topic with a, a bio that that's uh, relevant to being able to demonstrate some experience. Give us some solid learning objectives. You know, this is the ISFSI here. We're supposed to be good at that. <laughs> We're supposed to be good at writing learning, you know, quality learning objectives and and understanding, uh, conveying what we intend to do. And then I'll then I'll get into the weeds of the, like the you know the, the summary of the description and and see how it's put together and. I think that's important to understand. That's how that in understanding your, your uh, audience, you're talking to people like us on the street. So uh, the evaluators are not really, they're not administrative people. You're talking to the fire instructors. So we, you know, brevity is appreciated. Tell us what you want to do, how you want to do it. And that, that will get you a good, a good proposal.
0: No, I think that's key. You know, and I I don't evaluate for FDIC's proposals, but uh, you know, from talking to people that do you guys and others, you know, you're, you know, spelling errors. If you can't spell things correctly in your proposal, you know, uh, if you have uh, clerical errors, that just shows you that your proposal is, that your presentation probably has the same. Um, I've heard that quite a bit. I've heard the learning objectives is, you know, uh, learning objectives, you'll be a better firefighter. Uh, you'll be a, that's not a learning objective. <laughs> like you're, you can't put that, you know, you have to actually <laughs> strong, strong things that are going to, you know, outcomes that at the end of this class, XYZ will have been accomplished, right? And, and you know, that's an ISFSI thing. It's you know, we don't do trainings without objectives. Otherwise, we're just talking in circles and we never know if we actually accomplished anything. So that's a it's a big thing to me in training, is you know, clear objectives so we know
1: what we got. Send it to some mentors to get them review it to review it before you submit it too, you know. Pass it around. Here's what I'm proposing is is do you see any gaps or holes in what I'm doing here? And and that would be, you know, that that's what we call, you know, paying it forward and and honoring. And certainly I owe that to it. I've had a lot of people help me get through the fire service over the years. So yeah, I'd be, you know, I'm going to look at it and give you honest feedback. So that's, I think that's something that uh, would be very useful as well. I'll, I'll
0: send you guys, I'll send all three of you guys my proposals for next year and take a look at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: um, I, I, Eddie brought up a very good point about the time period. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know which ones to apply for. I would tell you if you're new, I would apply for an hour and forty-five. At least one of them. I mean, you can have them. You're allowed two two submittals, but make sure at least one of them is an hour and forty-five. The four hours are extremely competitive. Um, there's 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 only so many of them to go around, and you know you to get them the first time it's kind of rare. It does happen, but it's kind of rare. So you know, make sure you submit at least one one forty-five
0: great great
2: advice back on what eddie was saying that i think is important about the time about if you get to fdic if you get the hour and 45 minute class and i've even seen some fire service grades make this mistake they get up in front of the class and they say this is really a four-hour class <laughs> and i'm gonna try to get through please don't do that design your class to be an hour and 45 and even if it's a four hour class, you could tell them at the end that you do a longer class, but don't make it look like you're robbing them of the information because it's only an hour and 45. Mm-hmm. This is the format we do. And you know you need to sell that, not kind of set up this expectation of, this isn't gonna be really worth my time in the beginning.
1: I have a question for you guys to see, how, see what you think. Um, how do you approach an hour 45 45- Minute class versus a four-hour workshop from a delivery standpoint. Right. So I always feel like this is kind of the way I go at it. If I'm doing an hour and 45 minutes, it's pretty much rapid fire. It's it's pretty much me hammering it for I'm I'm throwing content nonstop for that hour and 45 minutes. And then if it's a workshop, I'll slow way down. Right. Like there's a hundred percent more uh, group interaction and questions and comments and stuff. It's it's a more interactive environment. How do you all see that? Do you all put them together differently?
3: Yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, You know, I I just transitioned. I did a four hour uh, two years ago this year. I did an hour and forty five. And, you know, obviously it's less slides, but it's more than that. It's yeah, rapid fire. More, hey, what do you think about this or participation? You know, I I try to get participation regardless, but you really got to cut that out if you're trying to get the full, you know, a a workshop should be a workshop. You know, there really should be some kind of activities built in. There should be some longer time duration, you know, longer breaks, slower time, get more input. But I, I think you're exactly right. There should be a difference between the two, not just shorter slide deck.
0: I I did a workshop this year and it was definitely more interactive. You know, it was, um, you know, we had activities built into the class. We had class discussion, class interaction and, you know, doing a classroom last year, it was, uh, it was more of a, like you said, more of a lecture series, right? Like here's the information that I have to present to you uh, more like a traditional, you know, college classroom type setting where, you know, here I'm presenting information, not that we couldn't answer questions, things like that, but it was just a, a different format
2: one thing that I do with the hour and 45 is I overbuild the content and I kind of break it up into a couple different segments. So I actually perform the class knowing that I'm not going to get through all my content. And then Jason Emery taught me, a, I think it was at the instructors association dinner or social one year, one time, a long time ago. And he said, if you want to always get to your last slide or a group of slides, if you just type into your computer, the number of that's actually on the slide and hit enter, it immediately goes to it. So you can do that for a last, like say you want to make sure your last five minutes, you hit this block of slides. You can go and hit 135, enter, you end up right there as your next slide and you can keep going, or you want to finish on that slide. Because so I seem to get that question a lot, is hey, how do you know you're not gonna run out of slides? Um, but that's a that's a trick I picked up from the instructor association that I still use to this day to get to my last group. But I always overbuild. And Eddie, I think you're 100 right. You're just kind of you're just kind of hammering home and trying to get everybody engaged. Where a workshop, you can slow it down, you can be more methodical, and really get some input and some back and forth from the audience. You're not going to get that classroom participation in an hour and 45 and deliver a lot of meaningful content. It's just hard to do.
1: Yeah. Good advice on the, having the slide decks to jump like that. That's that's brilliant. That's an advanced instructor technique is uh, the, the workshop I did at. It, it could have been three days. I've been teaching that class for literally 25 years. It's accumulated a few slides. Right. But then the but having the ability to, to pop based on what the inter, where the interaction is taking you, you know, in a workshop format like that. That's good stuff.
0: I, th- I think that's part of it too, is like, to your point, the workshop, let the, let the audience drive the workshop. I mean, you know, what mm-hmm. what they're striving for, what they're wanting to do, uh, where they want that conversation to go. I mean, it's a mutually beneficial amount of time that we have together. So you might have some ideas, but you know, that was a great point is, you know, if you can kind of tailor the content to what that audience is for those four hours, you're going to find greater success.
3: That, that's a great point is, you know, the audience drives the, the workshop. And I think that's hundred percent correct. Cause I've had workshops at FDIC where I'm just barely, you know, I'm hitting that mark and I'm like, Oh, I, I, I got more, but I got to stop, you know, but, and it's not because I didn't prepare. It's because there's a lot of participation, but then I've had some where I'm like 10 minutes left and I'm like, okay, we gotta, let's talk some scenarios. But um, you know, the biggest difference between FDIC and teaching at home is, is that you have to deliver at that time. You know, you have, you have to have it down, you know, at home, you could say, well, this could be a two hour class. Teach for an hour, 30, hour and 45, and you send the crews on their way and they're happy because they left 15 minutes early or vice versa. You go longer. But at FDIC, you got to deliver at that certain point, And that's where you got to be polished and ready to go.
1: Brian, if I could
2: throw out a, another tip if you get in your teaching at FDIC, people are coming to the class because they want to see you. There's this big buzzword now servant leadership. Um, you don't want to be so humble that you diminish your own command. I'll give you an example. Probably our most successful president in the United States post presidency, after his presidency, was Jimmy Carter because of his servant leadership. But yet he used servant leadership when he was president, and he wasn't considered a very successful president. I mean, he he carried his bags into the White House, but yet that leadership style worked a hundred percent. After he retired and did great things for America. So when you teach a class at FDIC, yes, you want to be humble, but don't start your class off by, I only work in a department with 30 people. They're coming to see you. They know who the instructors are. You know, you want to start off the class strong and you got selected by a great group of people because you deserve to be there. Don't diminish your class before you even start teaching. And I've seen that a couple of times at FDIC.
0: No, I think it's a great point. And, and even in the fire service, regardless, right? Don't diminish yourself like, well, I'm just a volunteer. There's no such thing as just, right? Like, there's, We're all firefighters. It was just a volunteer. I'm just a suburban firefighter. i just work in this department. If that's how you feel about yourself, well, you know, that's, to me, that's a poor self-esteem. I mean, you know, I don't care where you work. At. I don't care if you work on, you know, what is it, whatever, ladder 230 whatever Mitchell's on up there in FDNY or you know, the, It'd be ladder
3: thirty-eight of the Bronx. I know okay. I hear about it all the time. There you go. <laughs>
0: or, or you know, you're you're a, a friend of mine, Joe White, who's down at Southern Stone, is a captain down there on, you know, their company running two people. You know, he's not. Well, I'm just at. No, you're Joe White, captain at you know Southern Stone County, just as much as you're a captain at you know ladder thirty. You're still a captain, right? I mean, so don't. That's your point. Don't diminish yourself in the fire service and, and put yourself down just because of where you work. We're all firefighters, all doing the same job, trying to trying to make a difference in our departments at whatever level we can do that. So to your point, yes, if, you, if you're you teaching, whether you're teaching at your home department, whether you're teaching at a state fire school, whether you're teaching at FDIC, come in there with confidence and, and own your material, own what you're doing, because you're doing the right stuff. You're putting yourself out there as an instructor. Um, so as instructors, and everybody on this, this call is a great instructor, so uh, I'll what's your what's your takeaway like what's your like go how do you continue the message of fdic moving forward right like we we all leave there you always you, you see the pictures and the memes and everything about batteries are recharged and you go back to your department and you know not everybody's department obviously nobody sends their entire department to fdic to get that recharge so how do you impact your department with that message
3: I think it's your, your demeanor when you get back as far as your positive attitude, uh, bringing your message back. Um, you know, it's important to also share your message, not only at FDIC, but but back at home. But, uh, you know, it, FDIC is, it does a couple of things. One, it, it gives you, you know, the the knowledge, skills and abilities, but it also gives you that feeling of just, hey, I was just at the greatest show for the fire service and I need to bring that back. And, and let me tell you something. People that we send to FDIC, we make a pretty good impact to our budget. And I'm saying is, is that when I send them, I want to bring back a good impact to our fire department. And I think the payoff is there. I've seen it over, you know, since I started going to FDIC until now, you send people to FDIC and they come back, they're going to impact your fire department. They're going to bring that culture. They're going to bring back that, that desire to learn. And if you've got a bad, you know, training culture, you've got a bad, you know, uh, culture in general, you start doing this a couple of years with some really impactful people and you're going to have a changed fire department.
1: Yeah, I think you worry about this. The only thing you really can control is you, you know, so you, you, you come back recharged. Mm-hmm. Keep that passion, keep that fire burning over the course of the year. People will will test it. Right. You, you You'll have. People might be on your shift in your house or you know in your department that will certainly challenge you, but that's okay. That's all right. You know, you 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 just keep loving the job, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, you'll. I, I think Chief Rhodes actually talked about it in one of his uh, main stage talks. He, he said, you know, you just keep keep that positive fire going, and you're going to influence the person next to you, and you might influence the company that you're in. You might influence your battalion, but you know you just keep that fire going and and uh, you know we all come crawling back the next year <laughs> come crawling in the door to get plugged in again right you know that's that's what it's really about you can't it's not an external uh, event it's not something you do outside of yourself it's all internal it all lives right here in your, in your chest
2: yeah brian you don't have to change the world in one day or change your department you just got to work for change every day and you know sometimes the impact on your organization may be just running a company drill or spending the time taking that new firefighter out and throwing a stick with them or her. You just got to work for change every day and you can make a big impact. It's about keeping that attitude up no matter what you're facing.
0: Well, the, the good chief. soda always tells me, don't be the best, just be better than you were yesterday. So no. there's, <laughs> there's your, you know, but it's true, right? I mean, that's it's all you want to cheat. See, that's, I, I don't even get a paycheck. I just get lucky enough to work with this guy every day, but, uh, <clears throat> But yeah, it's, you know, I think that's the truth, right? It's just, you, you know, if we take that, if we take our passion, which is, you know, why we all got in this job and, you know, if we just take that and say, okay, how can I be a little bit better today? You know, and, and, you know, it's going to influence our company. If you're a company officer, you have an influence on in the company. If you battalion, you have an influence on in the battalion. If you're a new firefighter, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, to be the new firefighter, it's not afraid to go out there and look over the trucks at two in the afternoon. Don't be afraid to be that, you know, volunteer firefighter, if you will, that has a Tuesday night drill that starts at seven. Show up at 615, you know, start opening compartments, looking at, looking at your equipment and your apparatus, you know, it becomes contagious, you know, when, when you start doing something, you know, I was, um, I was joking with a few of our newer people here and I said, you know, something I would love to see in the fire services, you know, we all check our SCBA, either first of the shift, or when we come up for drill night or whatever it might be right. And how do we all check our SCBA. Well, just like we are right now dressed right just like this. And I said, you know, let's be that change agent that starts checking our SCBA with our gloves on. And you could do that, right? Because if you start now as a new firefighter in 30 years from now, guess what everybody's going to be doing at this department? Checking their morning SCBA with their gloves on, because that's how we operate our SCBAs is with our gloves on. And so, you know, it's just small little things that we can do incrementally that make a huge impact because that guy's like, well, if he's going to check with his gloves on, maybe I'll do the next thing. And it just, it, it's that domino effect for the organization that to Chief's point, you know, it's that FDIC culture that comes back and influences your organization. So it's it's really cool to see. So we got a couple of things in the chat here. Comment from Facebook. Paul says he was from the Lithium Fire class. This was my first year at FDIC. Learned a lot. Uh, PowerPoint is four hour, brought it down to hour 75. Works great, but recommended going over it over it. Set up for success. When you get to FDIC, the IT team is awesome. Absolutely. You know, FDIC. We would be remiss to not say that, you know, all the people behind the scenes of FDIC are really what make FDIC a success, you know, from everybody in the IT support, uh, everybody that's running logistics, everybody that's running the production crews, people that we don't even, you know, that people that attend FDIC never even see are truly what make FDIC a, a huge success for all of us.
1: Room monitors, EKU students that are always there with the scanners, you know, it's a lot of people that make it all go.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it truly is a huge cadre, you know, that all want to see it succeed. And, you know, if you, if you take nothing else out of it, man, all those people are working, you know, for, for free, you know, to make the fire service better. And if if that's not enough to recharge your batteries, well then, I don't know what is, you know.
1: My room monitor, uh, the guy scanned in my room. It was his first year at FDIC. It was a first year EKU student and a first year attendee at FDIC. And, you know, I asked him, what do you think? And he's like, oh, oh my God, you know, it's it's <laughs> overwhelming, right? You know, what a great experience for that guy.
3: I, I think a lot of us at Instruct have all had a horrible IT experience at some point in our instructing careers. In fact, a lot of us probably have that bag full of every adapter known to man. But I can tell you, I've never seen that or experienced that at FDIC because they have people who are ready to, to have to address any problem. And uh, like I said, it's truly professional atmosphere.
0: Yeah. Truly second to none for a, uh, for a teaching experience. And, you know, from the ISFSI standpoint, I mean, there is, you know, we love being at FDIC. Uh, We love the relationship with Clarion and fire engineering. Um, You know, with FDIC is our home. We love, we love being there for our meetings. We love having our members up there. Uh, We have several members that uh, teach at FDIC. So that's awesome. To see our uh, see our team highlighted, our members of society highlighted up there at Fdac and and teaching relevant uh, you know good topics for the fire service and stuff. And then of course the articles you see, and I think we had five people uh, write articles for the last uh, April edition. So it's it's good stuff, right? I mean, so you know, and and if you're looking at joining, that's definitely a huge opportunity to join because you get access to all of us to look at stuff, talk to. Um, and I call these guys all the time. I call other people all the time, just get their thoughts and, and perspectives on different things. So, one other thing I was going to hit up while, while we got the uh, message about FDIC going was something that really was cool for me was that National Fire uh, Cancer Registry. Uh, when when Chief Rose completed that online, I just recently did that yesterday, um, and I thought, man, that's that was uh, that was pretty cool to uh, to see that come out at FDIC. You know. To, to, to be able to have that registry up for all of us to, um, to share and, and, and register, uh, for a, a national network to, to track cancer in the fire service. So that was, that was really cool to see. Um, what do you think? So, you know, Eddie's got a good point. What What's the next big thing in the fire service?
1: What do you think, Eddie? What do you think the next big well, thing? I, I asked the question because, um, if you, I think I don't know how many years I've been going to FDIc a lot, 25 or more and you can see themes kind of come and go right Like I, I've seen saving our own and get out alive was the hot thing and then that then that kind of everybody's kind of got that training and then uh, fire dynamics came along and that's we, we, we're still talking about fire dynamics but we're at least I th- what I think's happened over the last 10, 15 years is we've kind of come to some cohesive understanding of it. And now we're refining the tactics, right? Like we're, I'm, I'm happy with it, right? Like you know that I, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased at the direction that it's going. Um, and then now what? Like, what's going to be the next thing? Um, I, I'll, I'll put, I'm, a, I think we have to figure out how to best employ uh, data and technology. I think is where it's going to go in the next ten years. If I was a betting man, I would say, uh, you know. We we stop measuring every even even in spite of the techn- the data we're already capturing. I don't know if anybody's noticed it, but it always stops when we hit the air break. We measure response times. We talked about this in my workshop. We measure response times, and then we stop all the clocks. But what what happens? At, we're just getting started, man. We just got on scene. <laughs> There's so much more that that goes on, right? And I, I used to be on the 1410 committee, which was the uh, you know the training uh, drills. We did have a bunch of drills in there. And if you go and look at those uh, drills, they'll have a time component like, uh, it's you know, pull to a uh, crop, you know, a fire tag lines and establish a stream or something. And it's got like a random number, like three minutes. This drill should be completed in three minutes. Uh, how do you think we got that number? Right at our backside. We, it was just a discussion of what we thought it should be. There was no real science behind that. So we I think... With the technology, with being able to track uh, XYZ axis and some of the firefighting tracking technology that's coming along, um, some of that started getting to the apparatus where the apparatus can capture data, uh, pump discharge pressures, uh, sensors on where the where the equipment sits in the apparatus, there's, there's things there. Put that together with uh, tactical data. Some of the things, the tactics that we talked about actually being able to start to measure that, there's a whole new world that opens up over the next 10 years, I think. So I, I think that's going to be, if you look for it, we'll have to, have to come back in 10 years and see, right? But uh, I think that would be where I think we're going to end up going. And, and the trick for us in this little challenge is going to be not to flop our own backside while we do it, right? Like not get not get, get so techie driven and so data driven that we, we can't function, but to, but to do it in a way that improves service on the fire ground. That's what we're really after. Saving seconds. That's what we're looking for. That's my, that's my two cents.
3: I can't agree more with the technology and the data because yeah, I will, I hate to do this, but putting on the fire chiefs hat, um, I can tell you that things are getting extremely expensive in this business. And believe me, I'm not here to cut. That's not my job, but at some point we're going to be outpriced in certain things we do. So it's going to be very important to make sure our resources are making the impact that they're supposed to be making, you know, like, before, you know, when things were cheap, it's like, okay, just buy the biggest truck out there, buy a big ladder, it will handle all the problems here. Well, go out there and take a look now and see what that stuff costs. We're talking $2 million that we're looking at possibly our next ladder truck. And for some certain smaller communities, that's not going to work. You know, that, that that's not going to work. They're going to have to find ways to do it. And, you know, you're going to have to find ways that you make the impact on your fireground or in your community And that's not going to be able to just say, I'm going to throw the biggest, greatest thing at it. No, now you're going to have to actually use some kind of intellect or some kind of, you know, systematic approach to make that work. And I hate to use the big brain theory here because we are are all true firefighters. And uh, but the thing is, and I'm not saying we're done. I'm just saying that we're going to actually have to use, you know, data in what we do. And I hate saying that. I know no one wants to hear it, but it's true. It's absolutely. And I don't hate saying it is absolutely true. And I I couldn't agree with you more, Eddie.
2: Yeah. Brian, that is the new oil. And it used to blow my mind in New Haven, even though we had the box on the inverse of property saved, officers weren't putting it in. And we took a big fight and said, this comes down to grants. This comes down to public relations. You have to take that, that property value and what, the property was saved by the fire department. So you have food on the stove and there's $150 worth of damage. If the house is worth $400,000, then you had a $400,000 save. You should... You know, the firefighters come back to the firehouse and say, "Oh, we just had a pot on the stove." Well, for the homeowner, that you essentially stopped a home invasion where injury or death was likely to occur if the fire department didn't interrupt the pot on the stove. Um, the public would much rather have the pot on the stove or the firefighters removed it and hit it with the can and or the dry cam and it was done. So, making sure your department is at least tracking right off that not only property loss but more importantly, property saved because that's the measure of how effective you are to the taxpayers and framing it to the public of, for the Northeast, but you guys are close enough to the Northeast. You have snow where you are occasionally, you know, people try to judge the the fire department based off the number of fires they go to. And I think that that's an unfair comparison and we've fallen into a trap as administrators and firefighters of accepting that. Um, New Haven, for example, had 22 plowable snows a couple of years ago that didn't make buying a plow truck any less important. And Public Works in New Haven picks up trash every day, but it only plows snow. This year, I think they only plowed snow twice, okay? But that doesn't mean that you don't need plow trucks. People do the fire service a disservice when they say 70% of our calls or 80% of our calls are EMS. No, it's not. 100% of our calls are fire calls. But because we were well positioned in the neighborhoods better than anybody else and could deliver EMS, we took on another service like Public Works Plow Snow sometimes. We took on another service and we do EMS as well. That doesn't impact what we do in the fire service. And I think that we kind of need to get away from the data of saying, well, 70% of our calls are EMS. No, they're two drastically different functions. And the fire service took on both of them.
3: I was telling Eddie uh, th- this week when we, we had dinner that one of the most, one of the missed boxes that we absolutely mess up all the time is the area of origin, right? Going back to what you were saying, I took a class and said that area of origin is one of the most important data pieces in that NIFRS report. And here's why. Because if it leaves the area of origin and it goes to another room, now your insurance agent is going to have to be, probably put you out of your home, rebuild it, or put you out longer than what your insurance is going to pay. We're here for saving lives. I understand that that's our main mission, but we're also here to you know to conserve property. When you get into that fact and you're you're costing people and not saving them because you're not able to provide the service that they should get. That's what you have to look at. And I remember being a fire captain, I'd be like, What what is this box? But you have to really look at the big picture.
0: You wouldn't think we're on the same internet, but...
1: That just shut everybody up? Well, we're, well, sorry, your data was dragging, so... Yeah, you had a little data drag
0: up. there. No big deal. You, you froze up. It
3: was you like firefighters
2: up. listening to us uh, it's, it's about all data
0: good. being the new oil.
3: Brian was, and I are on the same yeah. package here. I don't know what what the heck happened.
0: I'm working on an Apple. That's the difference. I got uh, Apple. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, uh no, you know, we, I used, uh, I completely agree data you know, these metrics and things we use data, uh, to collect, uh, our search patterns. We just had a tornado come through Southern Missouri. Um, and unfortunately it, 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 did, uh, lead to some fatalities, but as the USAR team down there, you know, we were tracking where we were going and, you know, 10 years ago when I was on USAR, that wasn't even a thing, right? It was, you know, some GPS data points and this, that, and the other, but it was very rudimentary and very, you know, really didn't mean anything to anybody other than, Hey, yeah, we said we did this. But, you know, from the perspective of those, those that, that small town in Missouri, they wanted to assure that every house had been touched. They wanted to make sure that every house had been searched. And so through data and our collection of data, we were able to do that. And I think, Eddie, you're 100% on par with we're going to have to start proving ourselves. And through these metrics and these data points, um, it's going to come to fruition. You know, why are we only talking about when we arrive to the scene? You know, nobody talks about the catch that was thrown. It's always after the catch, right? How far, how many yards did you get after the catch in football? That's a huge point. And so now it's time for us as a fire service to count our yards after the catch. You guys can go ahead and take that and run wow. that if you'd like.
1: That's impressive. That's good. I thought when Brian Brush did his keynote, uh, it was right after you, uh, Brian. He, he lit the fuse a little bit. I thought to myself, I'm sitting there watching, like, oh, he just lit it because – he was talking about the metrics of rescues. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we haven't even been counting that. It's like, How do we, how do we not think of that? You know? So I, I think when I, when I heard him say that, I was like, Oh, like the fuse, man, here we go. This is going to be, this is going to be where we're going to be working for the next little bit uh, as the fire service progresses and, and rightfully so.
0: Yeah. How, how cool would it be to have a statistic of how quickly you can get water on a fire on average, you know, a hundred fires a year, on average, we, we were able to apply water onto the fire within X amount of seconds. I mean, that's a huge statistic versus I was on the scene in four minutes. You know, what's that really mean to the public? And as we
1: accumulate historical data, we can start using predictive analytics. So, I mean, we've got to start capturing historical data. And then in a couple of years, we'll be able to to crystal ball that stuff and and make some interesting, uh, get some interesting outcomes, I think. So it's an exciting time, really, when you think about it.
0: You heard it here first. If you got a class on data in the fire service, FTSE 2024 is your spot to go.
1: <laughs> you already know what one of mine is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're reaching that hour mark for uh, for our show here. So uh, I'll go around final
3: thoughts. Chief Silvernail, final thoughts. 34,000 people. I don't know what the record is, but I can tell you I noticed a huge difference this year. COVID is over, baby and everybody's back, and it is phenomenal, and uh, man, when those, op- I, when I got out of opening session, I look back, it was packed, standing room only, that is awesome, and uh, this, and it's just a testament to FDIC, so, uh, you know, thank you all who came, and come back next year. Frank?
2: FDIC was great. We look forward to seeing you next year. If you want to be on a Google Hangout, you want to be on a radio show, please reach out. Please make sure you subscribe. And as Eddie said, ring the bell or whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> press press like, share this with your friends and pick up the book, Command Presence, which all three of these individuals uh, wrote for. It's just about getting a little bit, oh, I love him. I love him. That's why he's the chief, Brian. I you know. I know. Um, we can all do a little bit better and FDIC is just a great place where everybody's there for a shared purpose.
0: I'm sorry. I, I just vomited a little bit watching him go off on his books. So. <laughs> uh, Eddie, what do you got? Final thoughts.
1: Uh, I would just say find your way there, man. If your department doesn't have the funds to cover you to get there or you know you might be not be in a lineup to be able to go find your way there. There's plenty of people that drive. Uh, they stack them in Airbnbs and hotel rooms, man. Uh, there's a way, if there's a will, there's a way you can figure it out. And, uh, even with, even with the tuition, I mean, you know, heck man, there's scholarships, opportunities through various, uh, outlets and you want to be there. You can, you you can get there and you can do it. So hope to see you there next year.
0: And if you're an ISMSI member, you get 10% off tuition. So another member benefit for uh, being an ISMSI member is that basically pays for his membership and just the uh, tuition to go to FDIC. So I definitely encourage you to join. So, yeah, you know, it's been a great time talking to you guys. It's always fun to, you know, even though I just saw you last week, it's great seeing you guys again this week and uh, talking fire stuff, which is always fun. It's what FDEC is all about. So yeah, get your submissions in there, write an article, Um, join the ISFSI, go to isfsi.org, get on there. Uh, If you're on fire engineering and you're watching this on Facebook, like, you know, everybody said, hit the like button. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the uh, subscribe button and uh, make sure that way you, you don't miss the next one. There's one of these every week on fire engineering. So from all everybody on fire engineering and uh, ISM side, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Brian, and thanks, Peter. Have a great day.
2: Thank yeah. you all. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
3: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office.